which is worth the wait. So, and I want to start off by doing the definition of wait, and it's wait spelled W-A-I-T, so that wait, not the other wait. So the definition is to stay where one is or delay action until a particular time. Another uh, definition is to remain in readiness for some purpose, to hope, to anticipate, and to trust. That's kind of the biblical meaning of that. So again, I'm going to say all that again, just for those of you that are taking notes. So to wait is to stay where one is or delay action until a particular time, to remain in readiness for some purpose, to hope, to anticipate, and to trust. So we've all heard, you know, people say you need to wait on the Lord, right? Um, I think when I hear that, or when I first heard that, I'll say I always thought like I'm supposed to just sit there and do nothing, that the Lord's in control, that he's going to take care of it, that I'm just waiting, right? And, you know, we've heard, we've heard the songs, we've heard it all about waiting on the Lord, trusting in him. Um, and I think to some extent, we understand how to wait. I think through revelation that we've received through pastor and through teachings here, we've received some sort of revelation on that. Um, one of the things that I know that I've learned, you know, at Winners is that waiting on the Lord is not just sitting there, you know, and uh, doing nothing, twiddling our thumbs till, till the Lord comes through. If you really think about it, the greatest example I have learned through Winners Church has been um, like a waiter, right? We hear the term the waiter um, and waiting. So what do waiters do? Um, a lot of the time they are doing the definition, right? They remain in readiness, right? They're anticipating, at least a good waiter, I'll say that. Sometimes you got bad waiters. Good waiters are gonna anticipate what you need. They're gonna be coming to you and asking you, hey, do you need more of this? What, what would you like me to do? What would you like to order? They are ready and they're ready to take action, right? As soon as their table says something, Right? If they go to their table and they say, hey, are you guys ready to order? They're like, no. Then they go and they do other things. Right? They wait on other, other areas. But whenever that table says, I'm ready to order, they got their notepad out. They're taking the order. Right? So they're ready for that action. So we have to wait on him. And what he's saying to us this day, right? that's, that's what we have to remember, is it's not about... How do I say this? We have to receive, I think Pastor Trokel said this when he came, we have to receive a current and up-to-date word, right? I can't go off of, um, I can't always go off of something, that, you know, from a long time ago, right? I have to be constantly inquiring of what he's telling me to do today, right? Because um, that would be, that would be what waiting would be. That would be active waiting on him, right? Um, so I want to give a couple examples as to how we can wait on him. So number one, because um, it said, well, in the definition, it said, stay where one is or delay action until a particular time. So one of the examples I have learned um, is, you know, we should delay our actions. That means not moving ahead right, of where he wants us to go. Because sometimes, um, and I know that in this definition, part of it is to anticipate, right? But to anticipate also comes with knowing. You have to know someone to anticipate what they need, right? Um, same thing with the table. You could, you know, waiting a table. You have to anticipate, you know, drinks going low. So if, if obviously if they're not drinking the drinks very fast, you're not going to anticipate that they need all these refills, right? So it's the same thing with the Lord. We have to know him before we can go into anticipation, right? So if we don't have, if we can't anticipate what he wants us to do, then what do we do? We have to delay our actions, right? Until we get our next orders. So not moving ahead of where he wants us to go 
not thinking that we know better, because sometimes we think we know better, um, we also sometimes think that we know, you know, what the next step is. That's not always the case. We have to await his voice to give direction to us as to what is next. And I use this example. It's a real life example. Um, on the worship team, which most of you guys, actually half of you in here are on the worship team, so you know this. But the other half of you, you don't know this part, but we actually have in-ear monitors where we have little earpieces in that Gabe is talking to us during praise and worship, right? He's giving us direction. Um, and we're supposed to follow as he leads. And so uh, much like we are to do with the Lord, right? If I decided no matter, you know, no matter the intention of my heart, my, my heart could be, you know, man, I want to take us higher by doing, you know, this or that whether it's good or bad, to go ahead of where Gabe wants us to go. You know, if I'm in a song and I'm leading it and I'm like, I know we're just, we just sang the verse, but I want to go to the bridge, you know, right after the, right after the first verse. Well, that, that's, not, uh, that's not being a good waiter, right? That's not being a good follower of what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be listening to where Gabe is wanting us to go. And so... I could mess up the whole flow. I could mess up the whole service, you know, just in trying to do what I want to do instead of doing what he wants me to do. So another, another part of that definition is we're to remain ready in a readiness, awaiting the direction in season or out of season, ready to move and to act. So um, I'll stick with the worship team as an example. So we have certain weeks where we're singing. Um, of any of those given weeks, uh, we're given a list of songs. So there aren't any names listed. We don't have you know, names listed by each song. So when you get this list, you don't know if you're leading that song. You could very well be leading that song. It may be a song that you've never led before in your life, that you don't have any idea, any clue, uh, because you haven't led it before. But you have to remain ready, right? You have to prepare. Um, so you have to, you know, you have to look at the song. You have to listen to the song. You have to do all that to be ready to sing it, potentially. Um, we can't go into the week thinking that we know that we're going to lead the song either. So we may have led the song. I'll use, for example, just this past Sunday. Uh, I lead Great Are You, Lord, a lot. But guess what? I didn't lead it this Sunday right? Um, but if I were to go in there and I had that mindset of, this is my song, I'm going to lead, you know, this song, then I could throw off the whole, the whole service just by being so, con not content, but being so, uh, what am I trying to say? So tunnel vision, that's the word, on what I want to do and not what we're supposed to be doing, what the Lord wants us to do. We have to remain ready, awaiting the assignment of these songs at practice. What you have set in your mind is rarely how things end up. Being at the ready and flexible is the only way to truly wait on him, on the Lord. The next part is we are to remain hopeful in anticipation of what he can and will do in our lives never underestimating the love that God has for us. So here's an example. And this example is pretty close to home here. So it's very easy to lose all hope. It's easy to lose anticipation. So many of you guys know, of course, that you know Jasmine and I, we've been believing the Lord for a baby, right? So... We've been married a little bit over, well, we're coming up on five years. So, praise the Lord. For those haters out there didn't think we was going to make it, we're still here. Ha, ha, ha. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> we're still here. Um, but anyway, but, you know, with, with deployments and, you know, some other military obligations that she's had that have kind of sent her away, you know, we've been actively trying for 
I think roughly, if you put it in months, you know, because obviously everybody knows, you know, that happens. Well, I'm not going to say that because we have mixed ears here. But anyway, <laughs> I had to remember. <laughs> uh, so we've been trying for about 40 to 42 months, right, of hoping and not seeing that manifested promise of God, right? So, and of course, that's, you know, a little bit over four years. So think about that. So if you've been believing God for something for four years, haven't seen it yet, that can be very discouraging, right? That can get you very discouraged. This can make you want to lose hope, can make you want to lose anticipation. Um, you know, you, your anticip anticipation changes from, you know, man, this baby's coming to, man, does God even want to do this? You know, that's, that's what your thoughts, that's what your thoughts say. However, allowing that to deter you in the pursuit of his promise will only delay or keep you from attaining the promise that he has for you, right? So, and of course, you may say, well, how does this have to do with healing, Andrew? Well, it has everything to do with healing because a lot of the time are, you know, the things that we um, are afflicted with, you know, we don't always see uh, an immediate healing. You don't always see an immediate result. Um, and so if you don't get healed by the miraculous, right, if it just doesn't happen just like that, how are you going to get healed? It's by faith. It's by walking it out. Um, it's when your body is crying out and it's telling you everything besides you're healed, you press forward. You wait on the Lord, despite how it feels, despite how um, it looks. And, you know, pastors spoken about miracles and how, you know, they're, they're uncommon. They're not everyday things, right? Uh, if they were everyday things, they wouldn't be miraculous, right? And so your healing may not come by that, but it comes by faith in what his word says. And his word says that do not, uh, it says, do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And remember, the title is worth the wait. Everything that you're doing when you're waiting on him is worth it. It's worth it. Because at the end of the day, if you cannot grow weary in your well-doing, in due season, you're going to reap that harvest. But you have to not be, you, you can't quit. You can't uh, faint. And so this is important because the Bible says you will reap in due season. When is your due season? You may ask. Well, I'm sorry, but I cannot tell you when your due season is. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I knew when due season is. Um, I'm currently in a position right now where I'm asking the Lord, Lord, when is my due season, you know, for our baby? When is our due season, Lord? And, but with that being said, I'm not losing hope, not losing anticipation, because every single month is an opportunity. And this is actually credit for my, what my wife has said, because I got discouraged at one point in this journey. And you know what she told me? She said, Andrew, every month that it doesn't happen is another opportunity for the Lord to show himself faithful to us. That's powerful. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. I feel him. Amen. That was good. Ooh. It really is. Every, every time that, that you don't see something, right, that goes your way, every time that, that you've been believing for something and maybe you didn't see it manifest yet, that's another opportunity for you to, to see God be faithful and, to, and to, to have God show himself to you in a greater manner. I mean, that is, that's an amazing thing. Amen? So I have a couple scriptural examples. When I say a couple, it's about five or six. <laughs> so first I want to go to Mark 5. 25. And I'm using my, using my paper Bible. It may take me a second. I didn't mark them. 
Uh, Mark 5, 25. All right. Oh, it's on the next page. So many of you guys know this story. And this is a story about the woman with the issue of blood. So it says, and a woman, well, first it says, and actually it says in 24, I think. Hold on. Uh, yeah, 24, it says, so Jesus went with him, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I can touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So one of the things I want you guys to see in this is this. Jesus didn't say, he didn't say, daughter, you were healed miraculously. He didn't say that. He said, your faith, your faith. Now, I don't know, I don't know a whole lot, obviously, about this woman because it just has this little picture in there. But, and I know you guys have probably heard some of this before, but she had that issue for 12 years. She tried a lot of different things, went through a lot of different avenues. But there came a point, and I don't, it doesn't say in here the time frame, but what it does say is that when she heard about Jesus, right, when she heard about him, from the time she heard about him to the time she touched him, we don't know how long that is. But what I will say is it very well could have been, I mean, it could have been a year, could have been six months. It could have, I, we don't know. But I guarantee just with the way things were, I imagine it was probably a little bit of time, right? A little bit of time that passed. And her faith healed her, right? Her faith healed her. So her faith knowing that if I just can reach out, if I can hold on, right? If I can hold on just to get to him, if I can fight to get to him, right? I'm not going to, because there's a large crowd, right? They're pressing in. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a large crowd, but if you're in a large crowd, it's very difficult to get in and out of a crowd, unless you're like small or something like a kid. You probably weave in and out. But, um, but with that being said, she had to do some work to get to him. And you know, some people may say, well, maybe she crawled and, you know, even if you're crawling through a large crowd, she, I mean, she might have got trampled if that's the case. So we don't know. We just know that she pressed not only physically, but also in faith for her healing. She didn't give up. Uh, let's go to, ooh, well, I'll just say this one because it's kind of a longer one. But Abraham and Sarah. And we all know that. So, and I probably should have looked up the time frames and stuff this, but some time had passed whenever God told Abraham, hundreds of years, is that what you said? Dang, well, um, but anyway, time had passed when, Abraham, when God had told Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, and he didn't have no kids, and by the time, and at the time he told him, he was already old. He was already, it's, and I think, paraphrasing here, but you know, it said that Sarah was barren and that he, you know, he's all dried up and old as well. So, oh, no questions. Uh, <laughs> Josiah. <laughs> um, and so uh, with Abraham and Sarah, they again, they did similar to the woman with the issue of blood, right? 
They didn't immediately see something, right? They didn't immediately see the result. And so what did they do? They went and tried to go another avenue. And yes, it produced a child. It produced something, right? But it didn't produce, it didn't produce what God intended. It didn't produce what the Lord said. Um, because those two were married. So when God spoke it to Abraham, he spoke it to both of them. And so when they went outside of that, it's not all the way. But here's the thing. They kept pressing on and pressing forward. And what happened? The promise came. Right? The promise came. Oh, 25 years in between? So it was 25 years in between those time periods. And so next one I want to go into, and this one is... This one's really good. This one's my favorite. It's 1 Kings 18. First Kings 18. And it's verse 20 through 40, I believe. Make sure I got it right. Okay, so this is about um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And this one I'm interjecting, this one isn't about, this one I'm just giving to y'all for free. <laughs> this is technically a whole nother subject we could preach about, but I was like, I need to share it. So, but it has to do it, has to, it ties in, so you'll see, you'll see. So with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So we're going to start at verse 20 of 1 Kings 18. So Ahab sent word throughout all, its, all of Israel and assembled the prophets of Mount Carmel. Elijah went, went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but, the, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the, the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you can call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord. Uh, yes, of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since, they, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. He said, shout louder. He said, surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or maybe traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as, as was their customs, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, or yeah, repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built, an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seeds of seed. 
He arranged the wood, cut the bowls into pieces, and laid it on the, on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering of the, on the wood. Oh, on the offering and on the wood. He said, do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran, ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and you have done all these things, at, and I have done all these things at your command. And answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then I'll paraphrase the rest. Pretty much Elijah commanded them, seize all the prophets of Baal and kill them. So, but... So something I actually just saw in this, as I'm connecting this, is awesome, is this. So what did, what did Elijah pray? What, what did he pray whenever he prayed to the Lord to, to do that? He said, God of Abraham and of Isaac, right? So he prayed about a promise, right? He prayed because, about the faithfulness of a promise, that was given prior, right? So we can do the same, right? I can say, you know, for us, for, you know, us having a, a baby, I can say the God of Joe and Jess, the God of David and Hilda, right? I mean, it's the same thing. It's, it's just exactly like the same thing, right? And you're calling upon what he's done for others, right? The God that promised those promises aren't just for, for certain people. Those promises are for all of us, right? And it's not just for, you know, it's not just for, um, for, you know, of course, I'm using a baby as an example, right? However, it can be a lot of other things. It can be for, for cancer, right? You may have cancer one, you know, one day. You find yourself in that position. Well, guess what? It ain't too big for God. He's done it for people. I mean, I, I know a couple people that, that he has healed from cancer, right? I mean, he's healed, he healed my grandma. I can say, Lord, Lord, the God of Mary Ellen, Amen. you know? I can do that because he's, he has done it, right? And he is continuing to do it, and he'll continue to do it. He'll do it for me. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for any of us. But one thing I saw in this story, this is the part y'all going to get for free, is, is this. Too many times, and, and we saw it with the woman with the issue of blood. We saw it with Abraham and Sarah. And, you know, honestly, if you look at your own life, I know I've looked at mine, and I see it in mine. We relate a lot of the time. We're a lot like the prophets of Baal in, in this situation. Because what we do is we do everything under the sun, right? We're out here you know, practically cutting ourselves, we're, we're chanting, we're doing all these things, but calling upon the name of the Lord, right? When you get sick, what's the first thing you typically do? You go to the medicine cabinet, you call the doctor, you do all these other things, right? I mean, I, listen, I'm guilty too. I'm guilty of that too. But here's the thing, we can learn from this story that I mean, look at, look at what Elijah did. He, even, he was so confident in the Lord, right? And this is the place that we have to come to. We have to become so confident in the Lord that we're willing to do things that, I mean, are honestly contrary to what we're trying to get, right? He's trying to get the fire of the Lord to fall upon this altar, and he's pouring water on it. I mean, I don't know about you, but if it's you versus 450 people, and that's just the prophets. That's not counting all the people that are around, right? And so you have all of that pressure on you to produce something. 
But Elijah knew something that most of us don't know. And this is where we feel, the, we feel that pressure, right? When we're faced with things in the natural, right? We feel that pressure. But one thing that Elijah knows that we don't often get is it's not on us to produce. That fire was not on Elijah to produce. The Lord is the one that brought the fire. Elijah didn't do it. If he did it, guess what? He probably, he probably would have been dead. They would have, all 450 of them would have picked him up and took him somewhere. And nobody would have ever seen him again. But we have to trust in him. We have to wait on him. Right? And so we're going to go to John 5, 1 through 9. John 5, 1 through 9. John 5, 1 through 9. So in this example, again, very common story. You guys probably heard it before. But it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is Aramaic and is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered, I'm not sure what that word is, colonnades, is what it says in my Bible. Oh, porches and another thing. Okay, good. Uh, here, Here a great number of disabled people use it to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in the condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Uh, The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And yeah, we'll stop there. Another thing, another, another thing that I saw when I was reading this was this. How many times do we make excuses for not being healed, right? Or for not putting in the work, right? To not put in the faith, right? And a lot of the times, the way I see it is it's Unfortunately, sometimes it's easier to walk the life of medicine or of doctors or just of giving up, you know? Um, He sat there for 38 years. I don't know that if Jesus wouldn't have came by, I don't know that he wouldn't have been still sitting there till this day if that's how long he lived. Because I don't think he was was ever, he always made excuses that no one was there to, to throw him in, right? Well, here's the thing. They're not, there may not be, now, of course, it's a little bit different at Winter's Church because we have each other, right? But there may be times where you feel like you don't have anybody. But guess what you do have? You got Jesus. You got the word. You got what he said to you. And you have to be willing to walk in faith and to walk that out and to put in the work. Because if, if you go back, right? So, and when I say work, you know, I, I'm not talking about... Um, I'm not talking about like physical work, you know what I mean? Like I'm not talking about going out and, but a lot of the times, you know, we, we talk about digging, you know, ditches and trenches or whatever and wells, right? And really digging in. What that means is you're, when you're, when you're doing that type of work, it's, you're not being moved, right? You are, you're walking it out in such a way that you're not being deterred one way or another, right? that um, you're reading your word, you're getting refreshed, you're praying, right? You're, you're meditating on what it says, you're meditating on what, his, what he's told you. Um, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, during, you know, and again, I keep going back to the baby, but during that whole time period, I can't say that I was always waiting on him. I can say I was probably similar to the, the dude here and was like, well, 
I'm just going to lay here, you know, until somebody's able to just throw me in, you know. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I, I mean, can't, I can't do it by my, I mean, Lord, obviously, if I could have done it by myself, I, we would have we did it already. And we would have had a baby if, if it was, you know, if it was that easy, you know. And it's like, well, no, you have to, you have to read your word. You have to meditate on it. Um, I have to be willing to stand on the word even when I'm not seeing the results that I feel like I should, right, that the word promises. But again, what are we talking about? It's worth the wait. It's worth everything that you're doing. It's worth, you know, it's worth reading your word. It's worth getting closer to him um, to get that promise. Um, And then the next example, this one's a good example too. A good one too. I'm not gonna read it because it's it's like three ver- it was three chapters. I'm not gonna read three chapters to y'all. But this is one of the greatest examples, and I never actually never really saw it until I was studying this out. Is think about Noah and the ark. God spoke a word to him, and in the Bible, because I kind of did some research on this, they don't know exactly how long it took him to build that. However, I think someone actually, which of course it's today's modern technology, so they built it a lot quicker than he would have. Um, but you know, there's an actual—I mean, there's an actual ark now that they replicated in the exact you know uh, dimensions and everything. And they estimated, and this is also in the Word, because when God spoke it to him, I think he was like 500 something. And whenever the flood started, he was around 600. So it's safe to assume that it took somewhere between probably 75 and 100 years for him to build this. So why is it? Ooh, this is about to be hard. I love y'all. Be like, Pastor, I love you guys. Why is it that we give up so easy? Why do we give up so easy? He, wait, he, he waited almost 100 years. Some of us can't even wait 100 minutes, 100 days. What if it took him, what if it takes him 100 years to get your promise? You going to give up? Because Noah could have easily gave up. Easily gave up. Especially because he, he went decades upon decades upon decades before seeing even a hint that what God said was true. And I'm sure he thought as he's building this thing, well, Lord, did you actually speak that? Is that was that really you? And from my knowledge, I don't think anyone ever gave him confirmation to say, you know what? Noah, you heard just right. That was the Lord. The Lord said he's going to bring a flood. No, in fact, there were people that told him he was dumb, stupid for thinking that, that that wasn't going to happen, that he should just stop. I mean, a hundred years of this taking place before he saw the promise. And then the last example I want to go to is this. It's, and I didn't get the scripture, but I'll just tell the story. But it's Jesus turning water into wine. And you may say, well, Andrew, what does that got to do with waiting? Well, I'm going to tell you. It's actually not even about Jesus. And pastors talked about this one. It's about Mary. Mary got a word from the Lord, from an angel of the Lord, that told her that, that Jesus was coming to her, that Jesus was in her womb, right? And she waited 30 years. Because here, here's the thing, too. She knew... Because Jesus, obviously, there was plenty of prophecies about who he was beforehand. And Mary, Mary likely, I mean, like we've talked about before, did Mary know? Absolutely, she knew, right? She knew. She knew, she knew what Jesus would become. She knew who he was. And yet, she waited 30-something years, right, before she saw the promise fulfilled. For she started seeing him do the things that she knew that he would do. 
Um, and the cool thing is about that too, and we've talked about it before, Pastor has, that Mary kind of provoked the miracle to happen, right? And I believe that he'll do the same thing for you, right? You may have waited 30 years, and, and even, you know, we even say that he provoked, you know, she provoked the miracle to happen, but how, it doesn't say this this way, but I would assume that Mary was in anticipation. She was in hope. She was in, um, she was ready for him to do that. I would imagine that she had faith that he would do it. And she had pressed so hard and put and pulled so hard on that faith and on that anointing that it finally popped. Same way, same way that uh, the woman with the issue of blood. I guarantee, because Jesus said her faith has healed her. So the, I believe Mary had faith. Because you know what? If she didn't have faith, she wouldn't have asked him to do it. She wouldn't, have, she wouldn't even thought that he could do it if she didn't have the faith for that. And, man, that's awesome. Amen. Um, and remember, it says in Isaiah 40, 31, that they that wait on, the, wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. It's not by our power nor by our might, but it's by his spirit. Too many people... And I want y'all to hear this because I don't want you to be these people. I don't want to be this person. Too many people miss the promise that God has promised to them because they're not willing to wait. They become impatient. They get frustrated. And frustration and impatience and being, you know, like I said, there's things in my life that I have not seen come to pass yet that that I have become frustrated with God at times. But you know what? It's not the frustration that's bad, right? It's not bad to feel frustrated. It's not bad to feel upset, right? It's not bad to feel those things. But what are you doing with those things? Are you allowing those things to make you waver and get off of the Lord? You know, are you exactly like the prophets of Baal, he asked him, he said, how long are you going to waver between two, two decisions? You know, a, a double-minded man is, is unstable in all his ways. So how long are you going to waver when you get frustrated? Or are you going to stay the path despite the frustration? Are you going to know that it's not, it, it's really, honestly, and I've said this before, I've had to tell the Lord this. I'm like, Lord, this is your reputation on the line. This ain't my reputation on the line. If you don't do what you said, that's on you. And you know what? The Lord's okay with you talking to him like that. That's okay. Because here's the thing. God, well, number one, God already knows that you just are thinking that. So he knows your thoughts. <laughs> so if you say it to him, it's not like it's a surprise. You didn't surprise him. He knows how you're feeling. He sees you. He knows you. I mean, he knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. So nothing surprises him. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's, I mean, he's, he's seen it all. He's outside of time and space. He knows your end, right? And we've talked about that in, uh, on Sundays. We've talked about aligning ourselves with that, with that path, right? And that we don't always know the next step, but we do know that he orders the steps of the righteous. So we can trust and know that as we walk forward with him, that he's going to take us to that promise. As we wait on him, he's going to take us forward to that promise. And waiting on the Lord, it's, it's faith is what it is, right? It's the substance of those things that are hoped for, and it's the evidence of the things unseen. You're not going to see, you're not going to see those things, right? Uh, in the natural all the time. You're not going to, I mean, you're just not always going to see it right away right? But what did he say, right? What did the Lord say about it? And the only way to know that is by getting in his word. Amen. And the only way to really um, walk that out is by getting in his word Amen. and by knowing him, knowing what he has for you. Um, because if, if you don't know the things to hope for, they're right here. They're in your word. They're written down right here for you. 
And you can't say, well, I don't know. I don't like the King James, the version. I don't understand it. Well, guess what? There's like 60 million. I got some easy read Bibles back there for you if you want one. I'll let you read it. It breaks it down. The kids can read it. You can read it. It has the message. I mean, it breaks it down any kind of way that you want it. Amplified. We should know what it says. We should know the things to hope for. And, you know, some of the things that as well, you know, and, of course, we already know this, but our, our world is framed by the words that we speak. So are we speaking the things that it's, are we speaking those things that we're hoping for? Or are we speaking death or speaking the alternative over them? And most of the time I will say, hopefully your words are what the things that you should hope for and not the things that you're not hoping for. Because what good does it do? Even if, even if your words didn't produce life and death, what good would it do to speak the, what you're not hoping for? It doesn't do you any good at all. And faith, one thing I've learned is that faith and waiting on the Lord, it produces character, right? And character, you know, character is going to be when, when you don't see those things manifest, you're still standing on his word. You're still standing on that foundation that he's given you because, listen, in the last five years, five-ish years, I mean, I've had every reason to step off that foundation, right? In the natural. I mean, and I'll be real honest with you guys. At this point, I mean, the doctors, we've gone to doctors. We've done the things. We've done the, all the things. I mean, pretty much I laughed at it when it's, I heard about the prophets of Baal because I'm like, man, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, we've been cutting ourselves and doing all sorts of stuff. <laughs> we've been chanting all day long, Jesus. <laughs> But it's true. You do all these things. But we're at the point now where the doctors are telling us, listen, y'all both, everything looks good. I don't know what's going on. Even the doctors are puzzled. They don't know what's going on. But here's the thing. What I know, and this is by reading my word and getting in the word and knowing what it says, is that if I don't grow weary in well-doing, in due season, I'll reap if I faint not. And again, it's hard because you feel like you want to quit, right? You feel like you, and again, this is, this is forever. I mean, it goes to a lot of areas, not just faith. It can go monetarily, but definitely in healing. I mean, listen, your body may cry out for the next 10 years, but you know what? On that 10 years and one day, everything could change. Just like that. I mean, we saw stories of 12 years. We saw 38 years. We saw 100 years. We saw 25 years. I mean, we see, I mean, think about it. Think about this. Think about this. There's things and promises in this Bible that haven't even come to pass yet. All the things that we read about in Revelation, they ain't come to pass yet. But we can believe that these things are going to happen. I mean, Jesus hasn't come that back and swept us up or none of that yet. And we could easily just say, well, you know, he hasn't swept me up yet today. I haven't got hurt. I didn't hear the trumpet. So I guess it's not going to happen. I'm just going to, you know, give up. I'm just not going to be a Christian anymore because he's not coming, apparently. We don't take that attitude, do we? Right? But we easily could. But that's not, that's not faith. That's not waiting on him, right? That's actually doing the opposite. And so as, you, as your faith and your waiting on the Lord produces that character, it also will begin to blossom the fruit of the Spirit. Faith will work that in you. It'll start to produce love. It'll start to produce joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, um, those things will begin to work in you as you move forward, waiting on him, anticipating. Because as, as you start to get more of that word in you, the more and more you can begin to anticipate, right? You can just know. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, again, I'll be real with you all. 
the I received our baby like probably a year ago. That baby's here. I mean, to the point where, I mean, I'm 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 just waiting on the the confirmation as far as you know, for her to tell me. And I I'm to the point where. And this is, this is actually awesome, and this is the point you need to get to, that by the time you receive the promise, you ain't even, it, it's like, yeah, I received that like 10 years ago. It ain't no surprise, and you just keep moving on to the next, right? And it starts, the way that starts, waiting on the Lord, it starts small. You may have, uh, you know, we have a super seed. That's something that you can start small with to work your faith. You may work your faith with a headache. You know, then your headache goes to, maybe it's the flu, COVID, right? Then it goes to, you've got your faith for that. Then you go to uh, cancer. I mean, I'll tell you this, and this is, this is the free, this is kind of a funny story. Carolyn and uh, Jasmine know about this one. <laughs> they saw where I was at. It was not, it was not good. Um... But actually, and this was last year, um, I had, I think it was last year. Hopefully it wasn't this year. Lord, Jesus. (laughs) I think it was last year. And so I had a, I had something happen to me. um, And it was so funny because it was the same Sunday. And it always is. It's the the week after that Sunday where pastor says, you know, he was talking about um, when you get sick, he's like, don't go to Google. Don't go to WebMD. Don't look that up. Don't do that. And I had a rash on my leg, and it was hurting. And it, I was like, well, Lord, I'm sure to, I'm going to be fine. Like, it was like a deep pain. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. Just move on. I took some ibuprofen. I'm like, I'll move on. Right? I took some medicine. <laughs> Moved on. Because in the past, those types of things have worked for me. And that's a whole other thing. But, you know, I, I did that, moved on. It wasn't getting better. It got worse. My legs started to, to feel tight. And, like, I was, I mean, it felt, it was hurt to even move it, to bend it. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this seems serious. And so then I was like, something in me was like, Google that. That could be, <laughs> you need to figure out what this is because this is serious. <laughs> This is real serious, Andrew. And so I go and I Google it, and the first thing that comes up is a blood clot. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I have a blood clot. And then I was like, but hold on. I was like, Jesus, I ain't got no blood clot. And then something in me was like, but what if you do? What if you do have a blood clot and you ignore it, and then you're at home and you just die just like that suddenly? And so I was like, okay, like I got to go. So immediately, I'm on my lunch break at work. This is the middle of the day. <laughs> this is the middle of the day. I go to the urgent care. I don't even call my boss. I don't call nobody. I think I called my wife, and I think I called my mom. <laughs> and I called my dad. I got the, the committee together. <laughs> and two out of the three said, eh, you should probably get that checked out. <laughs> and so I went, and I won't tell you who it was. Uh, You just have to figure that out. Uh, (laughs) And so I went to the urgent care, and the urgent care lady, well, first of all, it took way longer than it should have to get seen to the point where I'm like, and I'm literally in the room by myself, and I'm thinking to myself, I I could have minutes, (laughs) and you guys, where are you? Where are you guys? (laughs) Like, I'm freaking out. I mean, it's bad. And they come in, and they're like, the lady's like, she's like, well, she's like, you know, I don't think it is. She's like, but I don't want to, she's like, my, I don't normally say this type of thing, but she's like, my dad died of a blood clot. <laughs> and she said it was sudden. It was so sudden. He just all of a sudden was gone. <laughs> and she was like, so I, I would probably go to the ER to maybe get that checked out. But it's up to you. I can also just give you some some ibuprofen or something, some kind of medicine, and you, you could just see if what happens. I'll let you decide. Then she left the room, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I got a blood clot. <laughs> so I go to the, well, first, then I come home. My wife and Carolyn are there, and they're trying, 
they just they saw me at probably they saw me in a very fleshly and anxious state and they tried to talk me down off the ledge which they did I, I definitely had a spirit of anxiety that was working, um, which they were able to kick out the door, thankfully. Amen. That's why you should always have people around you of the Lord that will get those things off you when you can't, uh, <laughs> when you're struggling. Of course, once I got that anxiety off me, it was like, it's like, well, now that I've worked myself up so much, like I even took off work the rest of the day. Like I told my boss, told my boss, <laughs> she was, I said, I think I might have a blood clot. <laughs> she was like, okay, and we do a lot of like physician loans. So she's like, okay, let me, let me call this doctor. I'll see if he can get you in right away. So she's like, she's working, she's trying to get me in. <laughs> so after I've worked myself up this much, I'm like, well, now I have to, I'm not anxious anymore, but I'm like, I have to. I got to see this through to the finish line. I need to go make sure it's not a blood clot because <laughs> I've already got a lot of people involved here. Turns out it wasn't. It's just a rash. Um, gave me some medicine and we moved on. But here's the thing. Sometimes we don't realize where we're at. And we have to, we really have to build our faith, especially in the area of healing, um, you know, I mean, every other area is definitely important. I'm not diminishing any of those other areas, finances, anything like that. But in the area of healing, that can be life or death. And had I, had I continued in that, that way and that thought process and not knowing what his word says and well, not even not knowing what his word says, cause I know what his word says, but not utilizing what his word says, right? Not speaking it, not standing on it. I allowed the natural circumstance, what others thought to get me off of the, the path and off of the, the solid foundation that he has. And if we don't, if we continually allow those things to push us off course, then they can eventually lead to death, especially in healing. Because if you get sick, your COVID or your, your flu or your cough or your, you know, whatever little thing you, you feel like you got working on you, that can lead to death very quickly. I mean, I could have worked myself up into my reality being a blood clot and boom, dead. And that's the enemy's plan for you. That's the enemy's plan for us. It's to take us out. It's to squash the promise. I mean, Literally, that's the, the same thing that the enemy did with Jesus. He literally tried to squash Jesus out. I mean, he had every newborn boy killed. He's trying to, to diminish and to destroy the promise that he has for you. Your promise is healing. Your promise is wholeness. And we can't allow the enemy to push us off course because that's really all he can do. He can't win. He's already lost. The only way he wins is if you quit. The only way that the enemy wins is if you quit. And that's up to you. The Lord gave you free will. He's not, he's not going to force you to continue the race. You're the only one that can drop out. And, ooh, that was rough. I'm sorry. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We needed it. We need it. Ooh, that's a rough one. But it's true. We're the only ones that can disqualify ourselves. Uh, the enemy can't do it. He can't, the enemy can't say you're not healed. That's not the truth. I mean, he can say it, but it ain't true. And you have to remember that, again, quitting is the only way that you're out of this thing. And you can always, if you, you know, you can take a rest, I guess. You know, sometimes we, sometimes we get weary, right, in the well-doing, right? And we, we, I mean, that's why he said that. I mean, the Lord said that to us because it happens. If it was uncommon or didn't happen, he wouldn't have said it. But you can grow weary in that well-doing, but here's the thing. If, if you stop completely, that's where you can't, you can't move forward anymore. You are, you're paralyzed in that one spot, right? 
that's what the enemy wants. He doesn't want you to move forward. He wants you to, to stop at before you reach that promise, right? If he could have, think about this. If he could have stopped Abraham, if he could have stopped Sarah, if he could have stopped uh, that whole, I mean, that whole entire bloodline, Jesus don't come. I mean, it, it's, but here's the thing. They didn't give up. Now, they may have veered off the path, but like I think Hilda said this before, you can veer off the path, but guess what? You're a decision away from getting right back on. You're a moment away from getting right back on. And it's not that you, you may have veered off for years, but guess what? That doesn't mean that you're years behind. You're right there in it because faith is now. Faith is not back then. Faith is not, you know, all the way ahead. It's right now you are right back in it, right? You may have thought, man, you know, I was running this race and I dropped out a little while ago, but I'm back in and everyone's way ahead of me. Listen, you can, boom, you're right back in that race. And then, wasn't sure if I was gonna share this part, but I'm gonna go ahead and share it. This will be the last part here. So the, the word wait obviously can be spelled a couple different ways. So you can have wait, like we've been talking about, like you're waiting on somebody, or you can have W-E-I-G-H-T. So like something, like for example, definition of that, heavy object, uh, one being lifted or carried. Um, another definition is the importance attached to something, the burden attached to something. And this goes along with this because, again, the enemy wants to crush you and what God's purpose is for you. The weight of God's plan and purpose, you may feel like sometimes it's too big. You may feel like, man, this thing's heavy. It's hard, right? Man, this is hard to, to carry on when I'm not seeing the things that God has said. It's hard to carry that weight, right, as you're waiting on him the other way, right? But we have the greatest example. Jesus had the heaviest of weights that anybody has ever carried. He had so much burden and weight on him that at one point he was sweating beads of blood in the garden. And he was nailed to the cross. That's a heavy weight. And what did he do it for? For us. For, and not just for us, but for everyone. Everyone who is to come. I mean, the whole entire world. He did it for a purpose. That weight is heavy. And, you know, I'm not saying, um, I'm not saying that obviously, you know, like sickness and disease and things like that have a purpose. Because they really don't. They're from the devil. They don't have a purpose besides to kill and steal and destroy you. Um, but all sickness, all sickness and disease is from the enemy, and it's a curse. What I'm saying is that, you're, is that what I'm saying is the faith you develop in the times where sickness comes is worth any weight that you may feel, right? Any weight that that sickness may carry on you, it's worth it. That faith that you attain, right? Um, Again, like I said before, if you never got a headache, right, if a headache never came to your mind, how could you develop faith to overcome it if it never came, right? So those storms, they come to pass. So the, sick, the sickness that may come on you or try to come on you, it doesn't, it doesn't stay. It doesn't have to stay. That's not the purpose for it. The purpose is for it to kill you and destroy you, but you have him living in you, and you have the promises of God for you. So you can know that it doesn't have to be that way. And like I said prior, your faith for that headache becomes faith for the flu that becomes faith for, I put in here, hypothyroidism. I don't know if somebody has that, <laughs> but amen. You got faith to overcome it. Um, and then that turns into the faith, you know, maybe to overcome kidney disease, which then becomes the faith to overcome cancer and eventually the faith to overcome 
maybe even death. Death itself, maybe knocking at your door. I mean, there's people, I'm sure, that are within our church that death may be knocking at their door at times. But guess what? Enemy can't have you. And you have the faith to be able to overcome it because Jesus overcame it. That's why you're able to do it. Again, it all stems, if you're thinking about it, it all stems. It's not our reputation. It's not in us that we need to trust because guess what? We can't do it. It's him. It's like, just like Elijah with the prophets of Baal. You, you have to be so confident and trusting in the Lord that he's going to come through for you. No matter how heavy it is, how, how much weight it is, and how long in time you have to wait. Because, listen, impatience, being impatient is the quickest way to lose the promise because developing a habit of being impatient or developing, you know, uh, I don't want to say a spirit of impatience. I don't think that's a thing, but just being, being so in such an atmosphere where it's developed, where you're just impatient, it can easily knock you off of that foundation. And we don't want to sway off of that foundation. So, Amen. Your, your weight is worth it. Everything that, you, everything that you've gone through up until this point, every, every day that you've spent in faith is worth it. Because one day, you're going to come up on your moment. And it may, be, it may be a surprise to you. It may not be a surprise to you. But you're going to come up on that moment where you're reaching for Jesus and he meets you right there, and instantly, it's done. But it's not instantly in the, in the sense that you think, because you've been waiting on him. You've been having faith. So that's what I want you to see, that none of that's in vain. It's not that you did all this work, and that, you know, it's, it's oh, he just did it instantly. No, you, you waited on him. You showed yourself faithful. Jesus is going to look at you one day and say, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. And it's, it, was, it was worth it. Amen? Every moment that you spent in that moment of waiting, in those times of waiting, is worth it. Amen? Amen. That's all I got. Amen. Does anybody need prayer for anything?